Hello and welcome to Noisy Fulfillment, a Desperate Housewives rewatch podcast where we take you back in time through every episode of ABC's Desperate Housewives. I am Rachel Warren, and today we are breaking down episode seven, season one, episode seven, Anything You Can Do, written by John Cardi and Joey Murphy, and directed by Larry Shaw. First aired uh, November 21st, 2004. And if somebody said to me, anything you can do, I can do better, I would totally agree with them because one, I am a thoroughly contented also ran, and two, I like to under-promise and overproduce, and three, also I'm terrible at many things, so that's probably the truth, and number four, just saying, yeah, you probably can and will is basically like the kryptonite of highly competitive people, so when you say that to that highly competitive person, I think they just melt. They have nothing left to say. What are they going to do? Say, like, prove me right? Uh, about being bad at things. Um, so Amanda Baum, what would you say if someone said to you, anything you can do, I can do better? Well, being a musical theater nerd, I would have a hard time not singing the next line of that song back. (laughs) So, um, that would be my first, that would be my first instinct, but I, I would probably also go with the, you're probably right, is what I would say out loud. And then, I would work with the fire of a thousand suns to try to beat that person at whatever they said, because I, I kind of feel like that's somebody throwing down a gauntlet. And um, I, I don't like to be loud about feeling competitive about stuff like that, but I, I kind of will work on my own quietly to try and emerge victorious <laughs> just because I, I don't I, I don't like people telling me I can't do things or that they can do something better than me. I agree, uh, but there's nothing I like better than being underestimated, and yes. then I guess this is kind of phony, or there, there's something, there's something bad about this. I feel like I'm not, not terribly happy with this part, but um, when it's, oh my gosh, you made all the cookies, and you made it to the store to do this, and you got all the homework done, and it's like, yeah, and yeah. you're just That's humble, and you're just like, yeah, this is, that's a Tuesday, must be Tuesday. Um, well, you gotta but keep people appreciating your hard work. You don't want them to come to expect it. You have to, you like that, like, wow, that's amazing that you did that. Oh, I feel, I feel seen, Amanda. Yes. So thank you. I see you. I hear you. <sighs> oh my goodness. Um, if you would like to support us further than just as a listener, which we absolutely thank you for, you can really help us out by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star review and subscribing to this podcast. That really helps people find us because analytics equals search results. Um, if you read, if or sorry, if you leave us a review, we will read it even if it's mean. We will we will handle yes, that criticism. We, we, we will take that feedback because all feedback is valid. Um, uh, we, might so- cry a little. we might cry a little if it's mean, but... We being me, we being me, mostly. We can use that, and we can we can we Improve. can take something from it, right? We can be reflective. So we don't take it personally, but we will take it seriously. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, you can also love us by sending coffee or wine. That works <sighs> as well for support. I- I love that you said that because um, we talk about how you can contribute by becoming a patron of uh, uh, by going to. Um, anchor.fm slash noisy fulfillment and you can you can absolutely do that and do a 99 cent uh 4.99 or 9.99 a month contribution but you can also send us a coffee which is what it's called when you send us something on our virtual tip jar um at uh ko hyphen fi.com slash noisy fulfillment and i just just discovered this for another podcast that i follow about fraser that you can send those hosts a cup of coffee which apparently in the uk costs three pounds um Mm. i was looking amanda i thought it would be more appropriate that you could send us a drink yes yes well being educators i feel like we kind of need both like the the coffee is the like you can do it and then the the drink is like a You'll get them next time kind of thing. So, And whether that's a cocktail or a mocktail. So yes, yes. If you would like to send us, a, you would like to send us a coffee and or a mocktail or any other kind of beverage, you can do so at co-fi.com slash noisy fulfillment. And we'll also put it in the notes for you. Uh, Amanda, can you want to take us to into a summary? Yes, so everybody had a lot going on, as always. Um, We had some fun with Lynette, 
who was uh, trying to be wife slash um, support crew of the year for Tom. Um, we'll get into that a little later. We had we started off with um, Mrs. Huber being in competition with Bree and doing something super interesting to try to sabotage. Um, we had a little book club um, situation with all of the Wisteria Lane ladies that sort of turned into a conversation about what's going on with um, Paul and um, all of that mystery surrounding that situation. And um, Susan is all set to go on her first date with Mike. But of course, as par for the course with Susan, it didn't really turn out the way we thought it would for her. Um, Mama Solis is on to Gabby and, and sort of ends up um, paying almost the ultimate price for knowing what's going on with Gabby. And, you know, that's just that's just kind of the start of it. Mm. Dun, dun, dun. So much to unpack. That's and dust. So many, so many things. Rex and Bree are up to their, their stuff, and it looks like that's got some finality to it. Maybe, maybe not. We don't know. Awesome. And here, it's not last time yeah. that we're in our seventh episode. So out of a twenty-four, um, uh, twenty-four episode season, we're we're moving right along there. If we were at eight, we'd be fully a third through. So that's good math. Good work. Good work. Mary Alice's opening lines today, competition, it means different things to different people. In suburbia, it means keeping up with the Joneses. And on Wisteria Lane, it means keeping up with Brie Vandekamp. And oh, I, absolutely, I absolutely love that she is successful at gardening. I can't keep anything alive, including my grass. I think it's a real win when people in my neighborhood are not stopping to look at my dead grass. It's, it's a real win for me. Um, is there anybody whose metaphorical lawn you would metaphorically ruin by putting a dead body on, Amanda? I don't really think that I would go to that extent. I, I don't I don't know that I would be faced with a, a person who collapsed from running and, and immediately think about whose, you know, situation I could I could ruin with that. I also thought it was super interesting that uh, Mrs. Huber was like, oh, like, he's obviously yes. running. He's obviously out for a run. And she's like, oh, you out for a jog? Like, quite obviously. Yes, Captain Obvious, he was out for a jog. Like, she just, she didn't really have a lot of urgency in that situation. I, I, I found it really disheartening that she used that situation to kind of better her own, her own, I don't know, her own lawn competition status. And again, I, I know guess. we're supposed to suspend disbelief, but I just happen to I just have to believe that in the time it would take me to go get a wheelbarrow to move the body anyway, somebody would have caught me or, or as I'm putting right. I, I would have gotten caught. That's just who I am. That's why I don't do anything wrong. <sighs> the things these people on this in this neighborhood do in broad With the daylight. windows open, the maid home. Not believable. Not believable. Not believable. <clears throat> Poor Victor though. He did he like where did he actually collapse in the grass or the hydrangeas? You know, and on now you the uh, Bree's entire lawn is just demolished from people trampling. Obviously, I'm Demolish. sure she wants him to live, but she had to have looked at that and said, "Man, what's it worth?" <laughs> and then she looks over the fence, and her sweet next door neighbor is just smirking and watering after her grass. everything I've after everything okay. I've done to keep those hydrangeas alive. Had to. Right. And I love I love the quote at the end of that segment where it was, in order to win, you have to want it more. I guess Mrs. Huber and all wanted these people it more. Keep not dropping dead necessarily in front of her, but she, you know, it's starting to be something. If Martha Hoover is mm. around, somebody's going to drop dead and she'll be the one to discover their body. Yeah. You can only do that yeah. a couple times true, before true. people start having questions, I feel like. Mm-hmm. She's probably at about her limit. <laughs> so we move over to the book club and the ladies, it sounded like this was something that they did a lot when Mary Alice was around, but life has gotten so exciting uh, since uh, since Mary Alice's death that they're no longer interested in fiction, it says. Um, Emma, Reba, and Lori, who will never be heard from again, hope that's not too much of a spoiler, um, are asked to go uh, to help Brie get the snacks. Brie sends them into the kitchen, closes the door, and... And it's obvious nobody's here to read the book. Um, 
No, she's like, I could, I couldn't wait to get rid Here's of that. Here's the thing: as they ask that question, or as um, the the hostess seems to ask that question about why are we even having a book club, and then is it Gabby that is it Gabby that takes a drink right after that? Ladies, we could just have yeah. a mocktail cocktail club. We don't have to pretend to read Mountain Bovary. No, we um, some friends and I a couple summers ago had a no book book club. Like we're not we're gonna say it's book club for an excuse to get together, but we're, there's not going to actually be a book. That's perfect. Actually, uh, my friends and I, we kind of consider that our bowling night is, yeah, there's bowling there, but oh. you're there because there's wine. And Right, right. And camaraderie. Yes, each other. That's that's exactly what that is, right? But I love that you called it the No Book Book Club. No that's Book amazing. Book Club, yeah. Um, Susan tells the ladies that she found Zach or rather her daughter who broke in and pretended to have a yeah. eating disorder possibly uh, found right. Zach and that he said something terrible happened to someone named Dana. Dana. Here's Dana back again. They try to pump Susan for a little bit of information and she didn't really have anything more beyond that. And we're getting this piece by piece and they're as frustrated as we are that we're getting this piece by more. piece. You didn't get anything more than right. that? Well, hey man, nobody thanked me for breaking into a mental institution. You're welcome. Right, right. Her time was limited. I just have to believe that Susan wasn't the most capable of doing this. So they should just be delighted that the place didn't burn down. And I mean that literally because Edie's house. Right. Honestly, if you really want somebody on this job of of sneaking in and getting the full story, who do you pick of the four? Who's, Who's got the best shot at getting that figured out? It's a toss up for me between Brie and Lynette. Uh, Lynette, because she's just not going to take no as an F and answer. Like, it, we're just right, gonna, right, we're right. going to muscle through this. And Brie, because she's so unrelentingly pleasant. Mm-hmm. She'd talk her way in there. Absolutely. And I, you know what? She doesn't take no for an answer either. So I could I could, right. see, I could see either of those. How about you? My money is on Brie, 100%. Okay. Well, at least we came. Because they, I, don't think, I don't think Lynette would be able to dump her kids for long enough to get in and out of that place. And you, you're not getting in that place with the Scavo boys. Like it's not happening. Or we could do this the way we sometimes did, um, intruder trading and use the swarm attack. Uh, and while the boys are making a mess somewhere, Lynette just scoots right in. Yeah, that's, that's a good strategy. She needs to use those kids Mm. to her advantage more often. You make a good point. We're just not playing the long game with those kids. No. Mm -hmm. We'll find a way for them to um, to earn their keep in this world. Yeah, definitely. Okay, now my favorite uh, topic is stationery. Do you have stationery? Yes. Um, I have some. St- I have a drawer back here in my closet that has like my old stationery from camp. I can believe that Amanda has monogrammed stationery that she sends. It's not monogrammed. Not monogrammed. It's not monogrammed. Okay. No. But I do have this whole drawer that has all kinds of random stuff to write on. And I do have cards that have my initials on them, but not like, not like paper stationery. Well, I always think of stationery as like the envelope and the paper that it goes with. So that would have been my argument because I would think that it's something personalized and has a he- mm. has a letterhead or something like that. That would be stationery to me. But this, is, this seems like more like a cross between cardstock and paper, just a, a particular paper. Yeah, you're probably. I think you're right. But the reason, right. what was it? The reason that it 100% matters. Hundred percent cotton. Ah, yes, and the reason that it matters, right, um, is th- that they're talking about the that stationery that the the note had been written to Mary Alice on, and trying to trying to mm-hmm. like pinpoint who it. who it could have been. And uh, I like the quote from the uh, Mr. Shaw, I believe it is, uh, who's the private eye kind of sketchy mm-hmm. dude who says sometimes evil drives a minivan. A minivan, yes, yes. I also liked when he was talking about um, another case he was on where the woman was trying to get her daughter on the homecoming float and fed everybody on the committee antifreeze. And Paul asked, well, did you catch her? And he said, well, sir, the the people who hired me didn't hire me to catch her. So apparently he's more than just a looker-upper kind of detective for private eye. Yeah, Yeah, find them and erase them, I think, (sighs) is his calling card uh, uh meanwhile sinister sinister stuff yeah and meanwhile we have uh tom tom saying that he's invited the partners and their wives over day after tomorrow and could you please create a formal dinner for six 
Well, in Brie, he literally says, Brie Vandekamp does this kind of thing all the time. I have in my notes in all caps, um, what have you done, Tom? Like, Did you make no. a large bet with yourself that you're going to lose or something? I, I just don't. I cannot imagine anybody saying to me, you know, this other person does it perfectly well. Like, Well, then go right. fucking talk to them. Right. And I thought, the like, the very beginning of that segment, I thought... Him telling Lynette when he said, oh, I have this new pitch. And she's like, oh, you want to run it past me? And he's like, no, I got it. I thought that was going to be the worst part of the segment. But no, leave it to Tom to to go one worse with that. I've invited everybody over for a formal dinner party. And then the beyond that, like, well, our neighbor does it all the time. Why can't you? Like, I just went from bad to worse real quick. He finds a way to one-up himself in the worst ways. And, like, he probably only, you know, gets taken to task for the last thing he says because the five before that were infuriating, but I got to start somewhere. And I don't, like, I'm not going to circle back to the other four things that you said that were not okay. But he did say... If I land this, I'm going to buy you something awfully pretty. I love those transactional relationships. Freaking buy yourself something awfully pretty for putting up with your life on a day-to-day basis. The other thing that I wrote in my notes is that after the Brie Vandekamp uh, does this kind of thing all the time, I'm going to say, well, good for her, not for me. Here's my situation. She has, no offense, husband who's a doctor might be able to afford some help and has two teenagers as opposed to Lynette has uh, four kids under the age of six. Right. We're in a different stage and of life. Also, there are plenty of people who that is what they love to do. It's obvious that Brie loves that role. Like, she takes that role to the next level with all of the... Nobody expects her to have these ridiculous meals. In fact, her family doesn't even like that she does it. But, like, that that's what she enjoys. So, by all means, Brie, live that life. Lynette, you can tell that that's not what she wants to do. So she shouldn't have to suffer. Free Lynette. That's, that's you know, we're all free Britney right now. Like, I want to free Lynette Scavo Me from too. her life. Me can too. Can we start a movement? Free Lynette. Get that please. trendy. And also, she's out of meds. And this is not going to go well. It's the wrong time to run out of meds. There it is, right? He, he does say, man, this place looks, you know, brilliant. And she can't sit still. She's just... No. She's she's wired uh, for sound, and now yeah. she knows that she's going to have this to do, and we're not going to be able to slow down anytime soon. And yes, she has discovered that she's out of the secret ingredient to the clean house. <laughs> yes. Sucks. Oh, man. Meanwhile, over at Gabby's, she wants to meet up with John, uh, but John has a date to go to the movies with Danielle, and Gabby's not happy about it. No, she doesn't like him seeing other girls. He doesn't like her being married. John, put on a shirt, dude. If you're working, wear a shirt. My daughter is seven, and she does ask why uh, why boys get to walk around without a shirt on, and she doesn't. And I I said boobs, like uh, it's just culturally constructed, and you know what can we do about it? And she's like, but I don't have boobs yet. (laughs) And I'm like, that's fair. (laughs) Fair. That's fair. So I love how Gabby gets so mad and stomps upstairs and throws her flip phone on the bed. And then all of a sudden, you knew it was going to happen. John gets a call from Mrs. Solis. It legit says Mrs. Solis in his phone. Vomited in my mouth on that one. And I love that he answers with, don't think you're going to get out of this by talking dirty. Oh, my god! Of course, it's Mama Solis who's snuck upstairs. I don't, I don't see that she could move that fast to get from where she was all the way up those stairs and get on that phone as quickly as that seemed like it transpired, but plot holes. Amanda, your ageism but, just, man, come on now. She's, she's spry. Maybe she's spry, but that's a big house. That's, that's a big-ass house. Uh, like, it's not like she's walking into the foyer. Well, she's, like, going into the foyer and going up that curving staircase and back through all their hundred bedrooms like and she has to do it somewhat sneakily because right. you know um but here's my here's mine is that uh i guess i take my hat off to her for knowing how to use that phone because i would have thought that mm. someone her age might not be able to use that phone and that's my age as i'm coming through so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. mine was purely geographical it had nothing to do with her ability 
to move. It was more like the the distance that needed to be covered in the time. I am sorry. I did not mean that. I'm, I was trying it's to make okay. myself feel better for the fact that I had an ageist comment about not being able to use old tech. It's okay. But also, didn't you have to put in a passcode on a flip phone? I feel like I've always had to put in a passcode on a cell phone. That is not my, that is not my recollection, recollection of that because I feel like I'm sure people went through my phone and found, and like found text messages and like you had to, back then you had to go to your inbox and your sent and keep going back and forth to see what was said. It's not, you know, it wasn't a linear stream like we have now. And I'm I'm sure my privacy was invaded in that way. And I'm sure if I had had a passcode on it that like, I don't know, people shouldn't have been going through my phone. You know what? Don't look at, don't look at my phone or my purse if you don't, if you're not ready to see it all. It's, and also it's none of your damn business. There, we could probably just stop right there, right? It's none of your damn business. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of none of your damn business, what a great segue there um, <laughs> is we're going to have the, you know, we're going to have a marriage conversation while we're really talking about how maybe we should discipline Andrew for breaking a child's nose. Yeah. Shoving him in a locker. And Rex is like, you're going to ruin his life over some roughhousing. Oh. And I, I I really loved that Bree was like, no, this is serious. He doesn't need to hide behind our not very big of a deal issues in our own house. She kept trying to downplay it. But I really loved that she was like, no, he should, like, that's a stupid thing to do and it's dangerous. He should have to have a consequence for it. And the poor principal is just watching this tennis match go back and forth and it gets it gets even better not only is it you know we have a placating parent and a parent who's willing to hold the child accountable and so we already see that there's tension there they're having marital dispute which may or may not be large but then rex drops the bombshell that brie i've gone to an attorney you're going to be served with divorce papers later today and he's a damn good one he's a damn good one she's like i'll take you for everything you've got and he's like try me it's what a lovely and appropriate conversation to have while you're dealing with your son's disciplinary issues at school and the principal just wraps it up really nice well you know what maybe perhaps your attention is the right way to go Hmm. yeah yeah we got bigger problems here Ooh, man oh man does so then we go to susan who's getting all sexy dressed up for her date with mike and we have, again, I love every conversation between Julie and Susan, whether or not it's problematic for me, the dialogue is just so, it's so, it's so back and forth. They have a, they have a beautiful repartee and Julie says, you know, do you have protection? Yes. And then says, I always thought I would have sex before you, for the first time before you had sex again, like. Poor Susan, how do you, what do you even say back to that? No kidding. You started this whole thing by saying, when's the last time you had sex? And, you know, are you mad at me for saying that? No, I'm just trying to remember. But now it's gotten to be, it's gotten too far apparently. But Julie enjoys being an only child and she wants to make sure that Susan's not going to bring home a little brother or sister. Right, right, right. (laughs) Um, So Susan is all concerned, like, am I too dressed up? And then we cut to Mike, who's also having the same thought, which I thought was so sweet. It was. He was uh, putting a lot of care and attention into uh, planning for the state and being ready to have the state with Susan. Yes. And we, it, it seems like it's all going to just magically work out for both of them until he gets a knock on the door. And a girl in some really low-rise jeans, which seems to be the theme of this show, this season, shows up at the door. Um, before she can discover that, before Susan can discover it, though, she can't wait to show her beautiful self living her best life off to Edie. She brags that she has a date with Mike and that they've kissed. And can we do it in unison? Oh, can we do it in unison? FYI. And for a second there, I thought that Edie was going to be nice because she's like, oh, my gosh, look at you. You look so good. Pause, pause. I could hardly recognize you. Like. It just, for a second, it seemed like it was going to be nice, and then, nope. Uh, but anyway, we uh, we pick up, and Mike says that he has to cancel the date. As soon as Susan walks over there, he needs to cancel the date because he has an unexpected house guest. Mike says there's mm-hmm. nothing between them, but it's hard to explain. Hard to explain, and then cute girlfriend comes down the stairs and is like, I'm going to take a shower. Where are the towels? Which... Sounds like it's a little bit more intimate of a relationship than just an old friend. I don't know why, because 
she's not saying come meet me in the shower. She's just saying I'm going to take a shower. But like that just, I, I don't know, that just felt like a little bit more of an intimate thing that you would do at someone's house than someone that's just like an acquaintance. I agree. And then calling him away from the the discussion that he's having so that you can have a towel. For sure, you could have waited 20 minutes. Um, right. Make yourself at home in 20 minutes of them having this conversation. But now Susan has to do the walk of shame and she didn't even get any. Mm-mm. <laughs> and she had that purse up trying to hide. And gosh, Edie loved that, didn't she? She absolutely did. And she gets a nice stab in. She says, date's canceled, huh? Because of the hot girl over at Mike's house. FYI. Yeah. Yeah. But honestly... Honestly, Susan gloating on her way over, I mean, I don't know that that was necessary. So I feel like I feel like that action kind of triggered that reaction from Edie. I don't think it was unsolicited. No, and this is why our mean girl moment is probably not worth it. This is where, you know, we can underpromise and overproduce and that anything you can do, mm-hmm. I can do better. I mean, it's just well summed up here, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So then our girl Edie, who's in her, her uh, professional wear... Um, hot pink blazer <laughs> skirt combo, which just screams that decade to me. I don't know. It screams like the Allie McBeal decade. Mm-hmm. Only, you know, on Allie McBeal, it would have been a black getup like that. But Edie, of course, is in the hot pink and heads back into the house and is putting on her lipstick and talking to Paul about how she's creeped out about being in a house that somebody killed themselves and he's going to have to disclose that. And I love her advice of, well, you can always tell them she shot herself in the living room and then dragged herself into the backyard to die. Like, and I'm just saying, this, that as she's like putting on her lip liner. That is it. The staging of that, like the 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 blocking of that scene where she's talking about this rather morbid thing while she's doing something like so mundane, just putting on my lipstick. It, you know, that really did it for me and it, it just worked on so many levels. However, I have to say that I did a deep dive on the real estate law here. Um, and and I would I obviously do not know where Desperate Housewife is set because they keep that as a closely guarded secret. Um, but I must say that I reached out to somebody in real estate who guided me to Illinois Real Estate License Act Section 15 through 20, which states licensees have no legal duty to disclose facts that have no direct or detrimental physical impact on the property, and that includes uh, suicide or a bloody a bloody massacre, uh, some kind, you know, some type of violent crime. None of that actually has to be disclosed, so long as it wouldn't, you know, they didn't really they didn't mess something up in the process that would be that would be something you'd have to disclose um however mess something up in the process how about your house being haunted okay now but you can't like okay but for uh, what they're saying in there because i asked that question too is that they're like that's considered um uh oh, what they i have it in the true email uh what did they call that it's stigmatized there you go um what is stigmatizing for one person is not stig may not be stigmatizing for another um mm. and that that actually mm. gets brought up a lot around halloween is that uh people ask people ask about that however i also got clarity on something uh breaking bad fans uh, no spoilers here, but meth production is still a thing you'd have to disclose because um, it could lead to the depreciation of the property based on the chemicals that are released. So so if you're running a meth lab in your house, you have to let somebody know when you're selling it. However, if there's a bloody massacre in your house, you don't have to let somebody know. Apparently not in Illinois. Your actual state okay. may vary. And we do have listeners in Malaysia. So. Oh, okay. I will have to look up Malaysian real estate law at some point. If if anybody would like us to do that, we'll do that for you. We should not be. For the cost of one cup of coffee. Perfect. But we should not be taken seriously on this at all. Um, we are not no. We are not realtors. I guess I should have put that disclaimer in there. I just, I just reached out to somebody. But now you know that Edie was wrong in 2004 when this happened. If they lived in Illinois. Yeah. And if any of that is relevant. Edie leaves and leaves behind her folder. Mm. And Paul picks it up. And there's purple stationery in it that he realizes matches the stationery that the letter came on. Stationery number 17. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, yeah. And he 
he thinks to himself that he knows Edie will do anything for a sale, but he or anything to close the deal, but he didn't realize that she would go this far. This also from the woman who just said that you could say that your wife killed herself in the living room and crawled out back to die. Right. I'm just saying, some of that checks out. It tracks. It tracks. Now, now Gabby's trying to wipe clean the competition, her competition. And let me let me just weigh in really quick at the beginning of this segment when she's running in probably Juicy Couture, by the looks of it, peach velour sweatsuit and a cami. Um, as a runner, who's currently not running, but as a runner, that's not proper attire. A velour sweatsuit, and I don't care. Like, I definitely have to wear a very strong sports bra when I run. I have to wear I, two. I realize well, I I don't, I used to, but I have found my one true love from Lululemon, oh. and it costs an arm and a leg, mm. but it's worth it, because then it's only one. Okay. Um, but this... This woman, Gabby, she's definitely not got the same sports bra issues that I do. However, I don't believe that she could run in a cami. Mm. It just didn't. It just didn't track for me. I'm sorry. It's a fa- it's a um, uh, plot hole kind that of, has to do with the yeah. fashion, right? Yeah, form versus yeah. function. Just like when we saw they should have had a runner. They should have had a runner in the writers' room on that to be like, girl, no, put on some Nike Tempo shorts. <laughs> and something that looks like you're being athletic instead of athleisure wear. The, Sorry. The lack of representation in the writer's room continues to devil us. Yes. Okay. With that being said, uh, Gabby has found Danielle outside and she offers to sponsor her for a modeling program in New York, which would apparently take her away from Wisteria Lane for a time. Definitely pure of heart on those on those motives, right? Everything that Gabby has ever done for others is completely altruistic, and there's definitely no motive behind it that she wants to get her uh, gardener all back to herself. Nope, none. Selfless, that one. Mm. Lynette's on the hunt for... Lynette is pushing that stroller into the park, looking like... Haggard and worn. Yeah, looking like it's she's in a rough spot. She finds Jordana, who's... Looking perky as ever and tries to score some of her kids' meds. Yeah, and and, uh, Jordana, she just can't spare any right now. Um, She has a lot going on. Her sister's going to visit soon. But she admits, yeah, the come down can be a real bitch. Yeah, she did say that. And I love that Lynette says, you know, I won't forget this. I'm not, basically, I won't buy any Girl Scout cookies from your kid. When that time comes around, we won't be home. (laughs) That's her threat as she storms away. If you won't give me illicit drugs or prescription medication, I will not be buying any Girl Scout cookies from your daughter. Fair is fair, Lynette. I don't know. Um, Brie and Rex are telling the kids that they're getting divorced. And, you know, it's not, I don't think it's abnormal for your kids to, you know, say, am I going to live, you know, what am I, where am I going to live? But Andrew wants to know if he can live with his dad. And that really saddens Brie. Danielle doesn't care Mm -hmm. as long as she can have her own bathroom. As she's brushing her hair at the dinner table. It's very nonchalant. I'm surprised Brie would allow that to happen at the table. That's true. I agree. I agree. Because when you brush your hair, hair comes out yeah. everywhere. Now, they're not eating at the table. They're having a conversation. So perhaps it's, you know, perhaps the, you know what? No, it, it still doesn't track. Mm-mm. Like, I bet nope. I bet we have rules about that, that you brush your hair in the bathroom where you can clean up the hair. I totally agree. Uh, yeah. I am going to take yeah. a different reframe on this from a parenting perspective because, you know, there's like, I don't know, like the idea that if your child is or you know has a strong opinion about where they want to live maybe that's one thing but I would say that if the kids are apathetic or don't have a particular opinion about who they want to live with I'm wondering outside of having their own bathroom right living conditions she's not going to take a uh Danielle's not going to um tolerate a downgrade in her no she's not going substandard in her living experience um but maybe you've both done a great job take it as a win Brie you're both great equally great parents but what would be problematic is if you're like, no, I've done everything and this other person has not met me halfway and they still don't mind living with him or want to live with them actively. 
Um, I, yeah, yeah, I can see that being really frustrating. And I thought it was interesting that like Andrew's asking that question and Rex doesn't even say anything. Nope. Not a thing. Doesn't say, doesn't say like, you know, guys, I think it'd be best for you to like stay to, to keep you from having to uproot. We're going to have you stay here now. He yet again, lets it fall to Bree to be the one to respond to it. He'll have plenty to say. That seemed like a hard conversation for Bree. It didn't seem like a hard conversation for him. As many things don't, I think that I think that's been a pattern. But he'll have plenty to say later, and and um, mm-hmm. I'll be interested to see how we respond to that. Yeah. Um, over at Mike's, Kendra, his house guest—I don't know if I said her name last time—is looking at pictures, and she's unhappy that her father's money and Mike's time are being wasted, and she mm-hmm. kind of wants Mike to stop. And Mike says, "Well, even if I did stop, he'll just find somebody else." And Kendra says, "No, if you stop and say there's nothing to find, he'll have to stop. He can't chase ghosts alone." Mm-hmm. What does that mean? I love not knowing. I love I I love tiptoeing around this minefield. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love not knowing. I'm glad. I can't I I'm glad for the reveal. That's always good. Um It's going to happen this season though, right? Yep. Like we're going to find it out this season. It's not going to yeah. yeah, you're not going to have to yeah, you're not going to have to wait long to start figuring okay. uh, finding out other things too. So I'm excited for that. Um, Lynette and Susan are in the garage and, uh, Susan says, Lynette, you look exhausted. Well, she's exhausted. She's been shelling her own crabs for this damn dinner party that Tom's throwing that she's doing all the work of. That shit would have been catered in my house. Oh my God. For real. Or potluck. Well, you can't do potluck when you're, when you're offering up a formal dinner party, but yeah, call Whole Foods and have them whip up something nice. I get why they didn't go to like a restaurant when you have to have a babysitter for four kids. But the the other piece to me there is that I would assume he can't really afford, like it. It would be weird to spend that much money on the partners. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. take my boss to dinner or anything like that. But I have to imagine that they would think it would be I, I, that they feel bad uh, for me picking up the check when they know how much they pay me or don't pay me. Speaking of babysitters, where were those Scavo kids? I Benadrilled and put away. For the night. Had to have been. Had to have been. Those kids are not staying somewhere, playing quietly together by themselves for multiple hours during a dinner party. That's not happening. I agree, and i I thought it, I thought of that when he said he invited them to the house. I'm like, you'll never get any work done here. This is not a work from home type of situation. No. Yeah. <sighs> but as they're talking about the fact that Lynette looks exhausted, Susan finds the Dana blanket. Dana blanket. What was the thing that she had wrapped in the Dana blanket? What was that black thing? Now, the black thing, I can't tell. But, I mean, obviously, Dang. we know it's from the garage sale where it was wrapped around Mary Alice's award. But I don't know what it was in the... I do not know. That stinks. I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't figure it out. Well, listeners will find it for you. They are the best at finding things that we miss. And I appreciate that. Yeah, but it was wrapped in the Dana blanket. And Lynette's... The Dana blanket looks shockingly, like, clean Mm -hmm. for having been stored away for so long. Like, it doesn't look dingy at all. And it's not picking up everything that my kid's blanket always picked up. So, like, Mm -hmm. my kid's blanket picked up, like, the fuzzies from my sweater and, like, hair. Mm -hmm. And, like, if heaven forbid it be dragged along the floor when you have a toddler who's learning how to eat and self-feed... Um, maybe mm-hmm. lead weaning leads to like 18 times of using the vacuum cleaner. So you're, I agree. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a plot hole. Again, no mothers in the, the writer's room. Um, no. But the discovery is Dana was a baby. Dana was a baby. Mm-hmm. Dana mystery watch. Mm-hmm. Rex has presents for the kids. And he shows up in casual wear. Uh, yeah. In jeans. He's like, he's new Rex. Rex Bueno. Rex to re- freed Rex. Oh, don't hashtag that. No, no, no. He has been, he's freed himself. No, still not. Still doesn't work for me. But he's still new Rex. He's still new Rex in jeans. Yeah, that adds to my Rex as a tool toolbox. Um, 100%. He brings Andrew a car and luggage for Danielle because he's picking up the tab for her modeling academy. 
Yes. And and the car's not just like your starter car. No, it's a convertible. Like it's, it's a pretty sweet convertible. Yeah. And Bree says, he's trying to buy your love. We cannot accept these gifts. No, she is not having it. And she's also pretty pissed about the modeling thing, not knowing anything about it. Well, that's, she doesn't like to be taken by surprise. You're going to send your, how old is she, 16-year-old daughter off to New York by herself? For this modeling thing? I mean, I don't know how far New York is away, but it never snows here. That's a spoiler, I guess. But it just never snows mm-hmm. here. And I have to, I, I think that would be far away. A place that never right. snows is not necessarily next door to New York. No, no, so, for sure no. Yeah, there, there, so much, right? You give him a car. Have we even discussed whether or not he's responsible enough to have a car? Um, she's going to New York. There's just, you know, we could have talked about this. But Rex, he says, I don't have to listen to you anymore. Here, they're my kids. And don't you think we should spoil them a little bit? And so mm. Andrew and Daniel drive off in the new convertible. And Bree stomps down the street to go find Gabby and find out what the hell's going on. She just got back from a shopping trip. It's obvious. We got the bags and everything. I know. Um, She gets mad about the Modeling Academy. And John overhears. And he's ready to quit it all. The job, the relationship, all of it. And she's, you know, I can't believe you're so jealous. And she said, I'm not jealous. I just don't like to share. Mm-hmm. Which tracks. But then she talks him into having a proper goodbye, so they make a plan, and guess who's hiding just around the corner? Juanita, abs- to hear that Juanita absolutely overhears, and this black tie thing that Carlos has to go to, we'll figure out how we can tra- how we can finally expose the affair that Gabby's been having. Yes. So then we go to Lynette's. Well, first we go to a noisy, noisy trampoline, which we know Lynette's going to be involved in. Yes. And she's sitting with this other new friend she's made. And and I think she knows that the woman is um, has access to the drugs that she needs, but she kind of gets out of the woman that she's medicating her kid. It's been a godsend. She does that. Yeah, that medicine saved our lives. Sneaks up into the bathroom and... Doesn't just go there to pee. Right. And so as uh, Mary Alice's narration says, as Lynette stole the medication of an eight-year-old child, she swore she would never be in such a situation anytime soon because she's just going to take enough so that she doesn't have to come back. You know, we're not going to take one. We're going to take as much as we need so that, you know, we don't have to make two trips. Poor Lynette is, she realizes she's hit a, a pretty serious low. Yeah. So... And it's a it's a moment of discomfort, but we uh, transition very quickly over to Paul and Mr. Shaw, the private eye in a car, and putting together the stationery. He agrees that Edie must be the blackmailer. Paul says, I can't wait. I need help now. And Mr. Shaw quotes him a number. He says, for five grand, Edie's hurt. And for 10 grand, she's gone. And it seems to me that that's not a lot of money. No, no. I would think that um, somebody's life or death would be worth more, but... What would it be worth now? Because that was 2004. So when we put this into the inflation calendar or calculator, we found out that in 2004, $5,000 would be equivalent to our $7,226 here in 2021. So if we doubled that, we'd be at fourteen five. dollars So okay. the equivalent of $7,214,500 for someone to be hurt and or killed. And that still doesn't seem like a lot of yeah. money. No, it doesn't. A, it does not seem like a lot of money. That's a cost Must of be like, a discount rate. <laughs> that's the cost of like doing your like I don't uh, like half of your basement. That's how yeah. the money if that. I don't even know if it's that anymore. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Mm. Well, um Oof. the Vandy Camp kids come home and it looks like a yard sale, but then they realize it's all of their belongings. At least. And Bree is chipper as hell. She is like, I've sorted everything. Danielle, your stuff's over here. Your stuff's over here. Like, she's, she's got Danielle and Andrew sorted and ready to be packed up and taken away. And she and Andrew says, Mom, this is not going to work. I am not going to uh, give up my car. And she said, that's a great idea because you're probably going to have to live in it for a while. <laughs> it's a nice car to live in, but I wouldn't want to stay Why? there. <laughs> I'm kidding. No. No. And... 
And then she tells them, well, you can you can have these new keys to our house because she's had the house rekeyed mm -hmm. as long as you give your stuff back. Danielle agrees. I was surprised Danielle. Go ahead. Yeah, I was surprised Danielle gave in that quickly. She did, and it was, and, and but Andrew, no, he's not backing down. I'm getting in my car. I'm going to go talk to my dad. I'm sure it's going to go well. Good luck. Yes. Um, Kendra and Mike attend an open house at Paul Young's. Edie overhears that they'll be going to the Cowboy Bar because it's the last- Wait, pause. Oh, sorry. Why did they go there? So he says, Mike says, it's the last place anyone ever saw oh. your sister. Your sister. Okay, okay, okay. So now we have this, that Kendra is someone's sister and that someone was last seen at this cowboy bar. So they're going to go investigate. No, but why did they go to Paul's house? Oh, that's a good one. Um, she did like, say, she was like, this is so kitsch. She said, you know, this is beyond kitsch. Uh, uh, an open house in the, um, open house in um, suburbia. No, not, not at all. But he says, can you think of a better way to get into people's houses? And this is one I've had a hard time getting into. I Yeah, okay. So they were just going into Snoop. I just was, when I was watching, I was like, why? Like, it's like Carlos at the yard sale. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. We're not there to buy other people's junk. <laughs> and Mike and Kendra are not house shopping. Like, anyway. I, but yes. I will say this from a real estate perspective and from a seller's perspective, that does actually happen all the time. If there's an open house in the neighborhood, there are people that just go to it even if they're not buying because they want to look around your house, I guess. And... Um, it irritated the crap out of me when I was trying to sell my house because I would come home and I would see the list and they'd be like, you know, 10 people came to see your house today. I'm like, well, f five of them live in this neighborhood. They're not buying my house. Edie, uh, so Edie's overheard where they're going. Um, and Susan says that she wants to say goodbye to the house. That's why she's coming to the open house. And Edie's like, yeah, you're full of crap. Um, and she says, yes. Look at them. You can just tell, can't you? They're having sex. They're definitely having sex. But she's willing to share the information with Susan that they'll be at the cowboy bar, and she'd be more than happy to go along with her if they want. To, if she wants to snoop on them, and cut right to Edie and Susan at the saddle ranch. They they go right there. She's she's being Susan's wingman, and I love when she says, "For the record, I was rooting for you to land him." I love that. Until she followed it up with, it'd be easier to steal him from you than her. Like, Edie's basically a sour patch kid. Sometimes they're sweet, <laughs> they're, they're sour, and then they're sweet. Uh, but she's the opposite. She's like, she'll say something nice like, oh, you look so pretty. I didn't even recognize it was you. Yes. Like, she's just uh, good writing, though, I gotta say. And the delivery, Nicolette Sheridan does it well. Does it well. And I also really loved Susan's outfit choice for the cowboy bar with the bright green, very see-through cardigan buttoned up and like tennis shoes. Like if you're like Edie had it right with the red leather pants and the halter and the cowboy hat. Like if you're going to go to a place with a mechanical bull, let's go for it. Like don't dress <laughs> like you're going to Whole Foods or Trader Joe's like Susan did. And also Susan... Maybe put like a cami on under your cardigan so that it's not just like bra and cardigan. That just was a lot for me. Agreed. And she's starting to have second thoughts. So she's like, I don't want Mike to see me here and think I'm spying on him, which I totally am. So I'm going mm -hmm. to leave. Um, unfortunately, uh, I don't know if that's going to work out for her. But in the meantime, mm -hmm. uh, Carlos is going to take his mother to the black tie event while Gabby pretends to have cramps so she can be home waiting for John. And Mama offers to go with, and Gabby says, take care of my Carlos. I always and do. I always do. Uh, well, but they're both out of the house. This is going to go great. No worries. What could go wrong? What could go wrong? Um, Edie's on the bull, and she was supposed to be keeping a low profile, but Edie's on the bull. Susan sees her and says, you know, what the heck? And now Mike sees both of them. And mm. uh, apparently... You know, he says, were you following me? And Susan said, no, I'm here to ride the bull. And Mike is smug. He <laughs> loves that she's following him. Like, he's he's not mad about that. He's definitely excited to see her ride the bull, too. <laughs> this is going to go oh, so well. So Susan gets that hat that Edie threw and puts it on and 
unbuttons her cardigan again with the low, oh low, gosh. low rise pants. Yes. So low rise. Oh my gosh. Ties that cardigan and before she can even jump on that bull, throws the hat and it hits the bull operator who falls on the controls <laughs> and causes the bull to buck Susan right in the freaking face. Only things that could happen to Susan Meyer. Classic Susan. Classic Susan. Um, Andrew is at Rex's motel, and he's excited, but Rex doesn't want him to live there. He's like, we're going to have a bachelor, we're going to have our our own bachelor pad. Rex is not here for it. No, this is going to be great, Dad. And Rex is like, buddy, I've got a lot of stuff to figure out. I don't need, I don't need a wingman. Yeah. How crushing for Andrew, who's like, I just want to go live with my dad. Like, he... He's not wrong that he and Bree drive each other crazy. Right. It's not going well. Like, they, it's not going well for them. And he already doesn't feel like he connects with her. And then for Rex to say that to him, like, I get it because that was a small motel. And mm. honestly, it's probably about time that he moves into a place that's a place. More permanent. Um, especially if, if he can afford to be buying cars and trips to New York, like, rents an apartment. But... Um, that's just, that's just a pretty crushing thing, I think, for a 16-year-old boy to hear from his dad. Definitely. And Andrew responds in kind. He leaves, but he says he's not going to go home and grovel to Brie while he's sober. So he and his friends are going to use their fake IDs and go out and have some drinks. Sounds like fun. Doesn't seem that's not going to go badly at all. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Lynette, speaking of things not going badly, <laughs> Lynette's uh, over serving dinner and she looks hurried. It's like she's, I wouldn't say she's on speed. She's like on fast forward, yep. right? Yes. Um, and the partners say, okay, Scavo, you know, you're up. And he starts to pitch the idea. He says that he wants to do ads on shopping carts. But Lynette, while she's, you know, serving dessert and doing everything, says, oh, I think dry cleaner bags would be better. And one of the wives agrees. The partners love the idea. And Tom is just deflated. Looks absolutely pissed. After, though, Tom's saying, can you see all the mothers with their shopping carts going around the grocery store? I was like, yeah, Tom. Dads don't ever grocery shop, too. Like, it was so... Mm. Or, pe- Problematic or people thing. who don't have children. Right. They're just unseen. Right. Yeah. They're not consumers. So speaking of, right. Speaking of being unseen, I'm pretty sure that's how Tom felt when Lynette took over with her way better idea. They At least the partners felt like it was a way better idea. Yeah, and she once you open that floodgate, she couldn't stop herself, could she? No, and it was and, and it was exhilarating to her as as mm-hmm. opposed to this dinner that she had to plan. That what what you said about Brie that that would have been exhilarating for Brie, but this isn't exhilarating for her. This is not how she charges her batteries and fills her cup and feels good about herself. What makes her mm-hmm. feel good about herself is having ideas like this. She would have loved for Tom to share that idea when he came to her for the dinner party. What she wanted was to to collaborate on that idea, and it's coming out in right. this way, in my opinion. Right, right. And I think back to the theme of the episode, which is competition, mm-hmm. and I wonder if there's a little bit of that there with them where, you know, they, they both kind of had the same job, and Lynette knows that her idea is better when she or she knows her idea was received better mm-hmm. by the partners and and that gives her a little bit of a thrill like i'm sure it's because she's excited about them liking her idea but i i do wonder if there's a little bit of that she's excited because she kind of won a little competition spot on there with her husband absolutely spot on i just on. wonder about that that was perfect yeah. i thought i think that's perfect amanda um Back at the cowboy bar, Susan is terribly embarrassed, and Kendra approaches with some beers. Um, Mike says, uh, Kendra says, I have no designs on Mike whatsoever. Mike says, we've been friends for forever, and she apologizes for the misunderstanding. Which seemed super genuine, too. Definitely. And I wish that they could have started this way, um, because I mm-hmm. think Susan wouldn't have had to go through the, the all of the myriad of emotions about what this relationship is or isn't, wouldn't have had to follow him, he wouldn't have had mm-hmm. to catch her. You know, people were injured in the making of this monstrosity. Um, so yeah. we could have just all yeah. been more clear about our expectations and communicated a little bit better. But 
nonetheless, um, Mike, Mike walks off and it's just Kendra and Susan at the table and Kendra asks how long they've been seeing each other. And she said, well, you kind of just interrupted our first date. But outside of that, it was, you know, smoking hot tension before that. Right. And um, Kendra tells her she should be careful. You're smart to be careful. And then tells Susan to ask Mike why he moved to Wisteria Lane. Because it's one hell of a story. Then we pan to Edie entertaining some men. Mm -hmm. Just making some friends. And then our new mysterious private eye, or is he... Walking up and kind of introducing himself. Right, and we said, he's got to be more than a looker-upper because he just quoted the price on uh, hurting and or killing someone. His extra add-on services. It's like the freemium plus. I don't feel like a private eye is someone who normally goes off to off someone. Okay, that's fair. I do not have a deep dive on that one. I don't have anybody I can ask. Mm. I I have to branch out and find more friends. Yeah, we got to find out how we can get a hold of a private eye and find out, like, what kind of extra bonus services they offer. Asking for a friend. Um, anybody <laughs> listening, if you want to uh, tell us about services, you know, you feel you feel free. I'm sure that's not going to ruin my search history for the rest of my life. <laughs> I'm not going to search it on my computer. but <laughs> That's fair. Not even in the private one. Um, back at Gabby's house, John and Gabby are in her bed. And, you know, it's the, the saying goodbye sex. No, she was not helping him with his homework. Mm. It wasn't that kind of a What it was biology. <laughs> or foreign languages. Romance languages. That was perfect. Um, uh, Mama Solis in her glittery evening wear takes a cab home and, and says, just park around the corner, I won't be long, and catches them in the act with a, with a camera. A disposable camera. One of the most 2004 yes. things about this episode is... For sure. And she hurries down the stairs and John's in a panic. And we see Gabby's like first ever moment of calm in this whole show where she's like, I guess that's it. Right. And I feel like it's a glimpse into what she really wanted anyway. And it wasn't like I didn't feel like she she pulls out her Louis, her big Louis Vuitton. Mm -hmm. And starts packing it. And I don't know if she's packing to run away with John. Because I don't, I don't think that's her MO. I don't think but so like, either. It, she just was like, I, I guess that's it. I guess I'm going to go. And she didn't seem freaked out at all. It seemed cathartic, right? And, yeah. and I would say, you know, mania does play. I, I've, I've been in some situations where I thought I was going to freak out. Um, and people are like, you have this eerie calm about you. And I'm like, yeah, I've, I've compartmentalized this. Like I've, I've put it down so deep. I'm going to deal with this emotion later. Uh, right now things have to get done. And I think that that's Gabby is like, yeah, this is, there, there's going to be pain and all sorts of discomfort, but right now I'm just going to be real chill about it. Grab my stuff and get on my way. Um, but I also wonder if for her, that was like a, what she kind of wanted anyway. Okay. Because she hasn't been happy. That's fair. Like, something's going to change, right? The 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 pot's mm-hmm. boiled over. So, you know, mm-hmm. things are going to change one way or the other. This is a watershed moment, right? right? For sure. So she, um, you know, she's just packing her things. And Juanita starts to get some really good defense in as John is trying to get that damn camera away from her. And she... She takes them down. Yes. And so she's able to run out of that house. I am not worried. Mama Solis can defend herself from almost anything. Yes. Yeah. Except... Almost. Except... Except a car that's driving really fast at her. Oh. In a a residential area. And you know what? She gets hit by... I don't want to laugh about it, but man, she was this close, man. If you're... Mm-hmm. What's interesting is I find myself rooting for Gabby. It's problematic, and, I, and I'll unpack that later, I suppose. But I find myself rooting for Gabby, and that this woman getting hit by a car is really helpful to me rooting for Gabby, which is hard on me. <laughs> I'm really <laughs> sorry that, like... It's okay. It's okay. Oh, gosh. Um, Gabby runs outside in her robe, and she tells John to go home and that he was never here. You're never here? The cabbie didn't see it necessarily, didn't didn't see everything that happened, right? But he says, a guy came barreling around the corner. And Gabby says, well, go back to your car and call 911. 
And when he's... And then takes the phone or the, the camera out of Juanita's hands. Absolutely. When he's out of sight, Gabby is able to secure that disposable camera. And at least for right now, you know, no no body, no case. Um, but the the idea is that we... I'm sorry, that was just in such poor taste. Like, you have no evidence no. of this. You know, Perfect. like, you can tell whoever you want. But if you don't have a camera... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You can't prove it. Oh gosh. Um, we see who was driving the car. Andrew, who's clearly intoxicated, and the because he that was his plan. And the driver's side headlight is out now. We know how that happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Back at Lynette and Tom's, they're fighting, and Lynette, Lynette, you know, she's getting tired. It's harder to break down these defenses, and you know, he's upset that her idea gets taken seriously by the partners. And she said, "Well, maybe you need better ideas." I, she has no control at this point mm. of what's coming out of her mouth. And, and you know, Mary Alice narrated that they were falling, traveling further into a black hole, which I think is pretty true. I think that Lynette's newfound secret ingredient is kind of taking over and, and her dissatisfaction with where her life is now is, is taking over. And um, Tom says you were supposed to be limited to making dinner not making my ideas look Mm. bad like they're trying to pigeonhole her into this role that is just it's not her it's not what brings her joy and he's obviously insecure too um when he says you never let me forget that your career was going better than mine and Mm -hmm. you're 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 so competitive and lynette says yeah but nowadays i'm competing if i'm competing with anybody i'm competing with the brie bandicamps of the world and that's not my that that's not a level at which i feel comfortable competing he's you know Mm -hmm. he's going out into these spaces where she was very very um successful and this is a space Mm -hmm. in which like you're saying she's being pigeonholed into and she's not feeling very successful and tonight she was reminded of a world where she was killing it and people were trying to keep up with her and that was a good feeling Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. he does say something really kind though in the midst of their argument where he tells her that he thinks that she's a great mom and a great wife and she stops and says thank you which i don't I don't know that if I was in the midst of that kind of argument, I don't know that I would have been able to stop and receive a compliment like that. So props to Lynette for for being able to take that compliment. And props to Tom for being sincere for the first moment in this whole entire show. I, I agree completely. And he says, I was thrilled. I don't know how you pulled all this together. And that's kind of... It's not his fault that it's backhanded, but Lynette knows mm-hmm. that she you know, was living better through science. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. every and, she, and he says, everyone who knows you thinks you're a great wife and mother, especially me. And then he says, what's wrong with your eyes? <laughs> yes, yes. She's like, nothing, nothing. I'm tired. But then they hear outside that something is going out, going, going on. And outside the fire department has arrived. Juanita is in this. Go. And she says, Lynette says, oh, let's go look and see what's going on outside to deflect. Absolutely. Like, don't look at my eyes. Look over there. Right. Saved by the silence. Um, Lynette goes to comfort Gabby and Bree says, there's, you know, that can you please do comfort Gabby? I need to run home. And when she gets home, she says there's been an accident and Andrew's crying and he calls her mama. Mm-hmm. Mm. Why did she run home, though? Like, she grabbed a blanket. Was she running home to grab a blanket? I feel like, like she was getting that... multiple things, right? If you're Brie, this is this is your thing, right? You yeah, you have all the provisions. We will get water. Yeah. And man, she's she probably has a basket that she's gonna loan just for the occasion. Muffins ready to put in the basket, but don't keep the basket. <laughs> but he it's it, it's interesting because I I've felt this way with my mom when I've been, been in times of crisis where I just said mom. And she knew that whatever's coming mm-hmm. next was going to be awful. And sometimes she could tell me what it was before. You know, because how do you say certain things? Like, I just ran over a woman with my car. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it was clear. So she very calmly calls Rex and says, Rex, you need to come home. Something's happened and we need you. And we don't even know what his response mm-hmm. is. But I think she, like, hangs up right right after she yep. says it and doesn't allow for a response. We're not negotiating. Like, it's, not a, it's not a request. Nope. You will you will show up uh, because that's what that that was the level of urgency, and we see Andrew and Danielle are holding hands. That this is a really supportive moment for both of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think they have a good brother sister relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So then we have Mary Alice at the end. Competition means different things to different people. Mm-hmm. Whether talking about whether that. it's a friendly rivalry or a fight to the death, the end result is the same. There will be winners and there will be losers. Of course, the trick is to know which battles to fight because no victory comes without a price. <sighs> it is. It's heavy. And as those final words come in, we see Kendra and Mike leaving the bar and Susan icing her face, mm-hmm. you know, kind of the light. Mm-hmm. And then we see Edie taking shots with Mr. Shaw, having a good old time. And mm-hmm. we see Gabby feels better and Juanita feels worse. Mm-hmm. Um, She's slipping towards that light. And Rex drives yeah. Andrew's car into the garage, and he and Bree close the garage door behind them. Mm-hmm. What's gonna happen? In, what's episode eight called? Guilty. Uh, next week we. Oh. Next week we're headed to guilty. I know. <laughs> Let's go. Oh, oh, that was a lot. That was a lot. It's, it always is. I don't know why, but I love doing. It's a whole season. It's all summer in a day. But I love. But I, of course, love going on this journey with you, Amanda. Such a pleasure, Rachel. <sighs> and until uh, next time, I am Rachel, and I'm Amanda. And thank you for listening to Noisy Fulfillment. Noisy Fulfillment. See you next time. Bye.